tell him about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! All of our team. Welcome back once again to Gag Reel, the unasked for and very unnecessary podcast that is a celebration of comedy in its different forms, television, movies, etc. I am your host, Ryan, and I'm joined typically by my brother, Will. Hey, 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 hey. How you doing? (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) And special third chair, third co-host this time uh, around for, I think, third, fourth time, our sister, Rebecca. How you doing? Hiya, doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to chat about a movie that I used to really, really love as a kid, and I had not seen in a long, long time. I think we've mentioned it in a few episodes because of its connection with Ben Stiller and Judd Apatow. It's got the Apatow connections that we're slowly whittling away. We've done a handful of Apatow-related comedies. Yeah, yeah, maybe too many. I don't know. Write into gagripod at gmail.com and let us know. This week we're going back to 1995, an era of... Mighty Ducklings, an era of goofiness all around when it comes to kids' comedy, when Nickelodeon was kind of this newly branded thing of like, let's bring edginess to kids and let's kind of directly market to kids. Sega was going weird and crazy. And we had Crash Bandicoot in a goofy costume yelling at Nintendo. This was a strange time to be a child, and we're gonna go re-celebrate it right now. 1995, Heavyweights. Far from the everyday world, there is a place, a place where big. Congratulations, Mr. Sims. You are the fattest boy in camp. Is beautiful. And then. Isn't it? This is definitely not sanitary. For Jerry and his friends, it was a dream come true. Until the new owner. That is out of here, mister! Oh no. Turned it into a nightmare. Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Now, after. This is a movie that I feel like. Looking back, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, all, all the reasons that I, I found it super funny, other than just the cartoonishness, the Scooby Dooishness of all of the wacky food-related humor. This wacky uh, food, and also just I, I feel like Ben Stiller's ridiculousness. I and also I, I was a big Keenan fan. I grew up on Keenan and Kel, but th- this was a, a big movie for me, one that I'd rent pretty often. Yeah, Lars can't forget about Lars, buddy. Yeah, that's the best line in the whole movie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we're already kind of jumping into this. I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts here on this viewing of uh, of heavyweights and kind of your histories with it? I mean, obviously, me and you probably have the same, you know, stories here, Will. But uh, maybe you remember it differently, and Becca, maybe you remember this differently too. Who should we go with first? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, Will? Yeah, I uh, I saw this one late. Like, I definitely didn't see it in 95 when it came out. I, if I remember right, I saw it for the first time around. It was after, not long after, but like shortly after, like a uh, Apatow explosion, you know, with Anchorman and 40-year-old and Do- and there, there, there was also Dodgeball. It, it felt like watching Heavyweights felt like watching an origin story 
if I remember right. Okay. I'd buy that because you probably were in like, you know, middle school. And to me, I, I was still younger and it was all just kind of blurred together. Yeah. Because like, I don't remember actually. I'm Maybe I watched it at some point when I was an actual kid, but I don't remember actually. I don't remember that at all. But because um, like that whole kids sports team slash thing i i I was and i don't remember watching too many of those i was never big mighty ducks kid i was a never d2 d d2 d3 was there there was a d3 there was a d3 i think i only i watched d2 more than the first one yeah because that one was wackier yeah you know looking back you know like this is side tangent about sequels you know sequels tend to get way more nonsensical because they're like what what do we do uh, with these these same characters how do we keep this entertaining and i feel like as a child the like ludicrousness always was more engaging to me sister act 2 yeah way more goofy gremlins 2 way more goofy actually i'm I'm gonna stop you there way more goofy sister act 2 is way less goofy really yeah you you think that like the the melodrama like of the kids yeah it becomes a whole finding forester goodwill hunting all like I'm going to help out these, you know, like disenfranchised children. And yeah, but like the mob drama of the first one is way more boring. It's more boring, drama. but it's also more absurd. I don't know. That kid rapping was pretty crazy. And then you got like old people. Whoopi Goldberg raps. Turning the on their hearing one. aids to play the piano. Whoopi Goldberg does not rap in the first one. No, it has its moments. It has its moments, but it's like they wrote another movie and then turned it into a sister act movie. I watched way more sequels than I did the originals a lot of times, because one time you walked up to me, Will, and was like, man, sequels are never better than the first or never even good enough. So I really had to prove a point that sequels can be as good as the original. But the ones you always went with were the Disney direct-to-video sequels, so you were never right. (laughs) Lion King two and a half is pretty funny, though. That, yeah. that deserved a, a sequel release, or yeah, a theater, theatrical release that I never got. But Becca, yeah, I'm curious if you were... And the third Aladdin, not so bad. Becca, I'm curious if you remember uh, watching this one. Well, I definitely didn't watch it in 95. I was not in existence <laughs> yet. Um, but I don't remember the first time I watched it. I just remember I probably like watched it when we were all like watching a movie together. Like It was y'all's turn to pick, so I just watched it. It was a fun movie. I thought it was so weird um but fun i really wanted to get on the blob at least once i never got on a blob and i was so sad but they killed the blob they did kill the blob which is heartbreaking but it it was like a fun kind of wacky movie like you said very cartoonish you get kind of looney tune vibes or just kind of definitely from like where stiller goes with the villain which i think on this viewing uh i think kind of glues the movie together but i don't want to go too far into that until we do our full spoiler discussion next week so stick around and come back yeah there are aspects uh of the way the story's structured i I definitely want to talk about whenever we get around to it i agree but i think i think we should dive into uh how this movie was made and kind of where it came from shouldn't you be watching the kids don't worry, I have them on the body system. Body system? Yeah, have a look. Body! 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 It, it, it originated from 
screenwriter of this movie or co-screenwriter of this movie, Stephen Brill. He wrote a little movie in the early 90s, 1992, where about a guy forced to coach a kid's hockey team after getting arrested for drunk driving. That film was called The Mighty Ducks. It became an enormous hit for the studio. Box office smash, critical bomb, but uh, you know, sometimes it works out that way. It made sequels. We got D2, we got D3, and uh, as well as an animated series about an actual team of hockey playing ducks. Which I wonder, was that inspiration for Air Bud? I can see it. And now there's a Disney Plus series. Yeah, it it even has a follow-up sequel legacy series um, that Emilio Estevez got fired from. Anyways, Disney wanted to replicate the success of the Mighty Ducks in the 90s, and so they got uh, screenwriter Stephen Brill. They said, hey, what uh, what if you take these hockey boys in the ice and put them in the summer, make it a camp movie about the, about the mighty duck kids, but not a mighty ducks movie. Just another movie to make us millions about kids going to a summer camp. We, we like kids. This is, you know, it's selling well. Kids want to see other kids. Kids want to see let's, kids. Let's see a wacky kid. Movie. Let's make the one about the redhead kid playing soccer. Let's make the one about that other kid playing baseball. Let's make, you know, let's do all these kids playing sports and let's do all these kids playing camps. So, Stephen Brill said, okay, I guess. Yeah, sure, why not? But he said, I'm going to need help. So he called up his uh, buddy, fellow screenwriter, who had yet to screenwrite. Really, at the time, was just an assistant on the Larry Sanders show. uh, Asked to co-write this movie with him. That guy was Judd Apatow. And so uh, they went balls to the wall with the script. And what Disney got was not Mighty Ducks Go to Summer Camp that they were expecting. Instead... They got overweight kids going to a fat camp and absolute insanity. Uh, that's that's about all the background, uh, foreground, like we've talked about in the Freaks and Geeks episode. Uh, Paul Feig and Judd Apatow met each other on the set of this movie. Paul Feig playing the uh, the one they picked on because he, was, uh, he lost all his weight, so all the kids made fun of him. That character uh, is Paul Feig, and um, they met on the set, and Judd Apatow said, hey, you got any uh you got any ideas for anything you know script wise i'm i'm trying to expand and I'm looking for ideas and paul fig was like yeah i got an idea about some geeks and some freaks and judd apatow was like well what if you called it freaks and geeks what if you go the other way around that ne- that conversation probably never happened but anyways <laughs> i don't know we weren't there but uh, yeah something I, I really wish, and maybe I'll add an addendum one day, if I ever find the Blu-ray copy of this movie, which apparently is currently like uh, on back order, or just like out of print everywhere that I looked, and every like used movie store that I went to, couldn't find it. But I'm really curious like where the fat camp angle came from. Was it Apatow? Was it Brill? And was it like nefarious in any way from the start of like, hey, that'd be funny because they're big. Or was it like I went to fat camp and I want to humanize this? I honestly think it has to be Apatow because picking something that seems like a lowbrow or crass comedy and then turning it into something different when you actually watch the movie and realize, oh, that's not what they're that's Apatow's trademark. You know, you get 40 year old virgin. You think it's going to be a crass comedy about. You know, oh, a guy can't get laid and he's already 40. Uh, you know, you walk out of the film and it was really about finding love late in life and yeah, yeah. and then knocked up, you know, like 
all of his films question aspects of society. People, you know, like scoff at high school mif- misfits, freaks and geeks, you know. Uh, and so I just, I feel like it has to be Apatow that came up with that concept. I can see that. Yeah, they're usually really like broad in, you know, yeah. uh, in theory, but then they're much deeper than yeah. you would think. It's really, you know, like Heavyweights is really about just body acceptance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think, I just, I think that had to be Apatow, but I'd really like to find out. Yeah, I'd be curious. One day, like I said, I I'll can't add an find, addendum to yeah, this episode. I can't find too many interviews with him about it. He pretty much just, uh, if he talks about heavyweights, he talks about how much fun he had on set. There's uh, actually a really fun article we should probably link. He released on the 25th anniversary of heavyweights. He released a mm-hmm. bunch of photos from them filming, and uh, yeah. he's just making angry faces, uh, and all the kids are just making goofy faces. And it's it look it look it's a fun little article. That looks like a fun set, like. You no, watch sure. the movie and you yeah. it would have been a fun set. Pretty much everyone who have the entire cast have all said like that was the most fun they ever had filming a movie. A lot of these kids that like didn't end up having a crazy amount of roles because you know, sadly, there's not a big market for, you know, like bigger kids, uh or and just like kids in general. That that had really funny comic timing in the in this movie. It was uh it was it's interesting because yeah, uh I feel like these the roles these kids are pretty much all all getting on a regular basis. Where, oh, okay, you got to be the funniest kid out of all these other kids, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. then it's like, well, let's get them all. You know? Yeah, uh, it's like, and and we'll talk about this. I think primarily in our more spoiler discussion. But you know, the, one of the first lines they say uh, when, when Keenan's like, uh, or when, let me say his actual name in in the movie feature film, uh, Roy. When Roy is introducing Jerry to everybody and the the camp and stuff, he's like, you know. Well, you're going to love camp, man. Camp is awesome. Plus, no one picks on you because you're not the fat kid. Everybody's the fat kid. And I feel like that that's kind of the vibe of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these kids ganging together, just being themselves for the first time. But, yeah, I think we should hop into our personal recommendations for movies of a similar ilk. And uh, or just movies that this reminded us of, or TV shows, etc. Hey, In Night Flint, that's my favorite movie. So, uh, Be- Becca, did you have any recommendations to listener? Uh, so mine's more kind of on a just the same kind of, I guess, uh, coming of age summer movie. It didn't really go. I, it still has comedic parts, but it's more kind of just thoughtful it's it's the sandlot very just kind of yeah. it has funny moments but it's more kind of the more coming of age vibe and all friends just accepting each other having a good time living fantastical adventures that's it hidden balls hidden balls Hidden, Taking hidden names. balls yes they they are talking to james old Ma- making life gr- guard girls kiss you yeah uh, by pretending that you're drowning Big scary dog turns out to be not a little, but a little friendly dog. A little friendly dog. But yep, yeah, Sandlot, very amusing. Very, uh, yeah, definitely in this vein of like, let's market the hell out of movies directly to kids that are starring kids. And yeah, I felt like it was a good era to be a cool, edgy kid. Edgy. Right, skateboards. Put my hat back. Skateboards. X Games. Sunglasses. Tony Hawk. With a side smirk and my arms crossed. Everywhere I go. You could do all that stuff. 
You could. I I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd probably throw out um major pain. It's it's another story about some some kids. I feel like that would be a perfect double feature. Yeah. Major pain and heavyweights. I don't know which would be first, which would be, you know, last, but I feel like they have a same sense of like they're centered around this like actual like really uh you know, uh, this comedian kind of at the start of their game who has great chops and is just playing a really larger than life character. And yeah. then all, all these kids that they have to bounce off of because there's some like ludicrous scenes in Major Pain, like in his fantasy sequence where he's imagining. <laughs> that would be a fantastic double feature because it's almost an inverse of Heavyweights where Tony Perkis in Heavyweights is the villain. Yeah. Like flat out Major Pain is the main character the kids are the villain yeah, yeah that's true but i mean eventually it's just kind oh, of oh yeah the, i mean uh, they were the the military academy that's the villain and yeah they way. resolved their conflict and they work together but mm. him breaking down those kids you're you're you know like it's major pain being wacky of course and and he's being evil to the kids but yeah, you're rooting yeah. for major pain yeah, it's almost like, what if we were rooting for Tony Perkins yeah. in a weird way? <laughs> Speaking of which, I was thinking about this, and I'm wondering if I should throw this out in the second episode rather than the first, but if at the start of the movie, if Jerry had not been told about how great the camp used to be, and if other characters had not experienced the camp as it was beforehand, and Perkins came in, he would have been a bit of an ass, but he wouldn't have been the villain that this yeah. movie makes him out to be. Yeah, they got to like, you know, yeah, yeah, they did a very long kind of, uh, man. Yeah, I really want to talk about the exposition, but I'm worried about spoiling too much. But I feel like it does take a while to get to that and to get into like the actual, oh, this is what the movie's about. They do a lot of setting up yeah, uh, of how the camp used to be with Jerry Stiller and uh, et cetera. Indeed. Who's hilarious in this movie, and I want to talk more about him. He, he only says like a few lines. <laughs> and they're but... the best. All right, so then yeah, we'll close this one out. Yes. Well, I got one recommendation for you. Uh, actually, two quick. What is it? If, if more in like the camp kids vibe, thought I'd throw out an old cartoon TV show, Total Drama Island. Very cartoonish, but similar kind of like you know, it's a band of misfits. You see kind of how they gel together. Not really, uh, you know, uh, as kitty there's a more teenagers kind of thing but it's sim similar campy vibe similar cartooniness but uh also just gonna throw out good burger come on if, if like that's one that you missed but you really like this and you thought that uh you know the the, the comic timing of this worked for you and you liked the kind of zaniness of the perkins villain i feel like the villain of good burger would be you know he definitely doesn't have the comic chops of ben stiller but it's a similar level of over-the-topness and of just, like, real-life cartoon, real-life kind of kids up against something that, you know, is, is definitely beyond their grasp, but they're still going to go for it. It's got Sinbad. And, and it has Sinbad. So, like, that's all I need to say. Is the villain Sinbad or is the villain that manager? No, I don't think. Yeah, Sinbad yeah, think is a Kirk. side character <laughs> where all of everything goes wrong in his life. He's also the always... inciting incident. You have a good day at work. I'm going to have lunch at Mondo Burger. Home with the big booty burger. Home with the big booty burger. But yeah, I think that's it for this episode of the Gag Reel Podcast. And come back next week for our full spoiler discussion and analysis of Heavyweights. So if you haven't watched Heavyweights yet, 
and you still really wanted to listen to this and just hear in on some fun facts and stuff, I'm glad you're here. Come back next time after you've watched the movie, and we'll have a good time. And as as always, look on the show notes for uh, how you can contact us if you want to write in for your own movie suggestions or talk about the jokes that we missed on the episode. And keep it gag real. Later. A doodle-doo. It's over now.